Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Realness Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. This week, I'm your host, Brad, and with me is... Zach. And Corinne. And this week, we saw... Tenant. Wong. Does, does Tenant have those wongs anymore? So I think they... freaking loud. Yeah. It's more like... Screech. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not Hans Zimmer this time. It's uh, Ludwig Göransson. So, um, but he said, if you don't do what Hans does, I'll kick you out of this room. So it's, it's what Hans does, but it's got a little bit of a uh, like a uh, electronica yeah. to it. So we'll talk more about it in the review. Yeah. Uh, but until then, we uh, we talk about. Uh, movies we watched, uh, things coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, um, uh, movie news, and what's going on around town. And uh, how you guys been? Um, it's been a week. Yeah, Zach and I had a, a long chat ahead of the episode about his yeah. week, and Corinne, you're you're enjoying some dinner. Yep. <laughs> so we'll get back to you when you're done. <laughs> Yeah, no, just uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a week for me too. We had early deadlines because of the holiday, which is kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like, oh, you have to pack like seven days worth of work into four, but then you get three day weekend, so extra right. labor for Labor Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some holidays I do have to work, but Labor Day has never really been one. Well, usually, well, there's maybe like one assignment I've done on Labor Days, but. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling that everybody's kind of feeling uh, uh feeling some stress in their lives right now. So I'm feeling a lot of people are actually doing labor on Labor Day. Yeah, uh, this year. So yeah, I know I will be. So not a holiday for everybody. No, but you know we do the best we can, right? Is anybody watching Labor Day on Labor Day? No, because I don't want to. I don't want to be so depressed that I'll shoot myself right now, Brad. So I've never seen it. That's <laughs> a movie. It's 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 not that it's not a movie that is depressing. It just makes me depressed to watch it. <laughs> Josh Brolin not and great. Kate Winslet, right? Yeah, it's not great. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember <laughs> seeing that now. It's not. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's just not great. Um. Yeah. So it's just us. Uh, 
James is obviously as busy as usual, but Ryan um, couldn't be here because um, um, he's dead. He's busy jerking off by now. <laughs> he's, he died from jerking off too much. <laughs> Just like a fierce on community. <laughs> yeah. And I so, get the reference now. <laughs> he will he be die, recasted. Did he die like David Carradine died, Brad? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just so thankful that this means we're not going to hear about any horror movies or any crap yeah. or Carol Lombard stuff. Oh hey, my hey, gosh, hey, the hey, show's going to be like an hour shorter than usual. Correct, Corinne. Carol, Carol Lombard should always be discussed, so I won't have that particular dig. <laughs> we may not. I have don't care about Carol Lombard. Okay, well that's wow. sad. she was the screwball queen. Carol Lombard <laughs> Estate is not going to enjoy this show. You know what? You know what? We won't have to hear about. We won't have to hear about Family Guy. We won't have to hear about Cary Grant. We'll have to hear about Bruce Campbell. You know, I mean, oh, I'll no. miss these things, but you know. Life life marches on. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. the best show ever. Sure. But I do miss you, Ryan, and I want you back on the show because you're better at hosting than all of us. Wait. I I've never that. gotten to host. Ooh. You Brad? don't even know. Brad, should we let her host next time? Ooh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's well, quite it's a, it takes like years and years of training to do what we do. Wait Welcome up, to up. Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2021 and beyond. I am the host today, Corinne. <laughs> and with me is Brad and Zach, and not Ryan because he's a jerk. <laughs> not bad. A lot of that's uh, pre. Existing material, but yeah. Brad, I think I think Ryan heard uh, what was going on just now because he just texted me like, "Hey guys, what's going on? What the fuck, man?" <laughs> That's weird. He's dead. So I know. Yeah, died from jerking <laughs> off. That's right. I forgot. He, I think your phone it. got hacked. It was a message from the past. Yeah. No. Or no, is I'm... it the inverted present? Mm. Uh, we got to run through the show so we can get to talking about this. <laughs> um. So yeah, but uh, Ryan's not actually dead. I, I kind of feel bad saying that because he is in a profession that uh, yeah. could facilitate that. So just to be Absolutely. clear, um, he is very much alive and just uh, you know not around to talk about Spider Man with me yeah. when I go see Spider Man. It's it's all good though. He'll be back on the show next week. He'll tell us what he thought about Tenant. So, yeah, you know. The plus side is because he's not here, we get to decide what we watch next week. Ooh, snap. That's right. That's what happens when you don't show up. <laughs> you lose control of your show. <laughs> to the peasants. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> now that I'm in control, let's uh, talk about what's going on around town. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Uh, well, uh, as the... Uh, Multiplexes return. Uh, the weather is dictating that the drive-ins phase out. So um, the uh, Denver Mart drive-in uh, wrapped up their weekend last weekend with Judy uh, Dancing and Grease. So we will see them next season. Um, Film on the Rocks is too expensive for me to care about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'd say check them out if you want to pay $60 to watch a movie at Red Rocks. 
but uh, they have a different movie every day, so it just it doesn't make sense for me to talk about it on our, on our weekly podcast, but definitely right. support them because uh, the Sea Film Center has been closed for most of the year. Right. Which sucks. Yeah. So if you, if you can swing 60 bucks um, and can find like six friends to spread that cost around, check it out. I have negative six friends. Will that help? Yeah, I'm losing friends <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> Uh, but the Holiday in or Holiday Twin Drive-In uh, is still going, and they're uh, starting to embrace the recent releases. So Tenant and The Matrix are on screen one. Whoa. And, you can get uh, an interesting twice. movie to see at the drive-in. What's that? I said Tenant would be an interesting movie to see at the drive-in. I bet it would sound uh, better for you since it's, a, it's a pretty much in mono. <laughs> Through your car speakers. So uh, at most stereo. Yeah, but at any rate, well, it's but it. it I mean, I hope the eighty eight doesn't close too soon because. Yeah, they're uh, they're taking it week by week. Uh, screen two at the Holiday Twin though is uh, the New Mutants and then Bill and Ted Face the Music. Ooh. So. So so you so you start off with gloom and then you uh, rise up with happiness. Gotcha. And hope. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, the 88 drive-in uh, changed their lineup. Uh, they are doing Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and then The Blind Side and then uh, Spider-Man Homecoming or Far From Home. So okay. a lot of different stuff going on in that lineup. And then, yeah, they're just going to kind of... It's supposed to snow, I guess, this coming week. So I'll believe gonna, it when I see it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Probably will happen. Well, it's definitely because supposed to be a lot colder up. than it is now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to get colder. The question is: Is our going to? Is there going to be enough of that white stuff on the ground so that I can go out on the on the streets and say, "Do you want to build a snowman?" and not be put in the sanitarium? Probably not. No, you're going there either way. So I don't know why you're even well, about I it. I am going. I am going there. But I don't want it to be because of a Frozen song. I want it to be for another song. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on around town, guys. Sweet. What else? Uh, do we have that's right. I'm in charge. I keep waiting for Ryan to chime in. He's got me trained so well. Hey, Brent, uh, what did we tell you about what happened with me and Kellen this one day? <laughs> uh, I feel bad that I did that now. Shit. Yeah, you attacked his kid. Not cool, man. I know, I know. That was not cool. I'm sorry. I mean, Ryan, I want to, like, I'm expecting Callan to just jump in and interrupt, you know, every five seconds here. You know, I, I will say, I, like, I wouldn't do that. I like when Kellen comes on the show, though, because then he injects, he injects a, a, a difference into the show that's, that's sorely missing. <laughs> <laughs> the perspective like, of a child? <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. It's just like, let's hear from the young generation, you know, like, n- never mind us old fogies. We're missing that sweet butts commentary. Uh, we feel the deliver. His comedy I album. Imagine, I just what? imagine him listening to the episodes like, you know, 10 years in the future. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm such a little turd. Like, I wouldn't stop interrupting my dad. I know. That's, I'm hoping he'll be embarrassed by this podcast when he gets older. I, I, I would be more interested in what he, th- I would love to have Kellen in 10, in, in 20 years, actually. Give it 20 years when he, you know, get, get that's teenage phase. To, to review an episode of our show, comment on all of us, not just his dad, but all of us. Like, that would be most interesting. And I'll listen to it, and I'll be like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I was him, I couldn't make it through it, like, 
old family videos and things just make me cringe. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what's, uh, what's new in the news? It's real news! Well, um, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of little pieces of news. Um, DC's uh, in danger, man. What, what was that? DC's in danger, man. Dwayne Johnson and Robert Pattinson both have COVID, dude. What what a way to lead into what we were going to talk about. Yes, um, d- not only did Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his family contract COVID, um, did, although it does sound like they're past um, their uh, initial exposure phase, um, but um, it looks like the Batman production has halted because Robert Pattinson has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, yeah, tough to keep going on that one. Yeah. Uh, and your, it, your lead actor is <laughs> infected. There are, there are reports, though... Um, uh, it, it, there are reports, though, that they are working to restart the production and shoot around him while he overcomes the virus and then is quarantined accordingly. Um, I think I think what's interesting about this news coming out as Tenet is being released is is all too sad for um, whatever in, whatever the intention was of getting Tenet out there right now and um, at this accelerated rate, but. Regardless, um, it's it's a shame that he's contracted it. Um, it's it's sadly proof that even with the precautions you can put in on a film set, there are still the risks involved of contracting this virus. So, um, hopefully, uh, there will be um, further evaluation on how to prevent these in order to continue film production or a reassessment of film production in general. Hopefully, it doesn't come down to that last one. Um, Moving on, though, Paul Thomas Anderson looks like he's off and running on his new film, and it looks like the lead of the film, uh, or uh, the, the star of the film, will be Cooper Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. This is actually kind of a touching piece of news because Paul Thomas Anderson worked with Philip Seymour Hoffman several times up till that actor's passing in 2014. Uh, he was in such films as Magnolia, Punch Drunk Glove, and probably most famously The Master, um, where he had one of the biggest roles he's had in a he had in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie up to that point. Um, so this is nice that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's giving the actor's son a chance to stretch his acting muscles, you know, and get get his start out there. So that's really cool. Um, Haim's also in the movie because Paul Thomas Paul Thomas Anderson's been working with Haim a lot, so of course she'll be in the movie. Um, Moving on, though, to another movie that might be happening, the new Evil Dead movie. It looks like Bruce Campbell says this time they're going to fuck up a city instead of just a small cabin or a small little town. Um, it'd be nice uh, to see this happen. Uh, he, he, all he said um, to the crowd at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater was that the Evil Dead are going to fuck up a city this time. He didn't elaborate any further. Now, in Ash versus Evil Dead, they do kind of the, the Deadites kind of fuck up the small little town that Ash is from. Um, and up to that point, the most exposure that the Deadites had beyond the cabin was medieval times, but it's kind of different. It's not really in the same societal structure. So if it's going to fuck up an actual city this time, it could be world-ending stakes. Um, and only whoever is going to defeat the Deadites can solve this uh, problem. Uh, it also looks like the film is going to be called Evil Dead Rise, so that's a lot of fun. Um, is there a movie with a rise in the title that is actually good? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Can't I mean, like the Dark Knight Rises, but I mean that's Rise is not Rise. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 
That's we, the next we, bag. Rise, Brad, Rise we of the a, Guardians. We should make a movie, Brad, called Rise and Stuff. And it's just and it's just the greatest thing we could possibly ever make, but we just call it Rise and Stuff. And then, and then you've got a movie called Rise that works. So come up with a very, very good script. <laughs> like the best script imaginable. You sound like Abed trying to make a Jesus movie. Cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, moving on. Um, Rebecca is a movie by Alfred Hitchcock from the 40s what? based on a book by Daphne du Maurier. I know, oh. shocking, right? But did you know it was How'd being... you know that? Right? Yeah, well, I, I, it's probably because I did a podcast on Hitchcock, wink. No, you um, couldn't stop lying. You know what? I have 25 episodes that you can find at realnerdspodcast.com, including our final episode with guest Adam Roach. You mean um, you used to? Click. Yeah, yeah, shh. <laughs> no, no! Oops, sorry. I was in the I FTP all- and I just deleted them all. You know, what the, you know what the great news is? I have all the I have all the episodes on my computer, so I can just put them on YouTube and not worry about your network. <laughs> I will just uh, flag your channel. <laughs> this channel oh. is racist. You, 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 you tell Ryan we're going to Pod War with Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Pod Wars. Uh, that's a season two story. Oh, one. that's the movie Rise of the Pod Wars. <laughs> Rise of the uh, Rise. Anyway, back to Rebecca for a moment. Uh, did you know it's being remade by Free Fire director Ben Wheatley? And he has said firmly that this is not going to be a remake of the Hitchcock film. But that means it's going to be... They always a, say. Yeah, it's, this means it's going to be a true grit situation, if that's what he actually means, wherein you're adapting the source material itself and not the adaptation that was done prior. Um, uh, but this isn't the first time Rebecca has been done in different forms. Like Corinne's alerted me to the miniseries stuff of uh, Rebecca before. Yeah, so this it's was, really good. Yeah, so and it's something I still need to see. Um, so, so it sounds like that Wheatley's version is going to be um, uh, a little bit more of a different beast. Um, uh, he, but he said he watched. Uh, he he's more looking towards the original source material, which is De Maurier's novel. So um, that'll be. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's coming to Netflix in October. Um, there's a movie out there called Grizzly 2 that you've never seen before. It's because it was never released and never finished. Um, but uh, the th- there's been an announcement that thanks to some restoration work and some uh, done, wor- additional special effects that were kind of done to finish this project, you were going to actually now get to see Grizzly 2. It's a movie that features early George Clooney and Laura Dern and features uh, a, a very early Charlie Sheen. So look out for Grizzly 2, guys. It's a light, nice little fun film that finally gets its due after never being released. So kind of like an other side of the wind, but for Grizzly Bears. Um, and then, Ryan, uh, Brad, you're going to have to cue in some uh, uh, some Camp Crystal Lake music here because we got an update on that Friday the 13th box set. Uh, and since Ryan's not here to gush over it, I'm going to do it. Um, there's been uh, The full list of extras has been announced um, but the biggest news in this uh, announcement has been that they have found uh, source uh, source material video of cut scenes from Friday the 13th Part 2, which include a lot of stuff that was gutted by the MPAA and trimmed out. So we will get to see some of that kill footage uh, on the new Blu-ray release. Um, obviously, this is not the only Friday the 13th that suffers this issue. Um, Friday the 13th Part 7, uh, The New Beginning 
has a lot of stuff that was cut out and it looks like we will never see that footage ever uh, because it was not taken care of or treated properly because Paramount did not give a shit about these movies. Um, but regardless, it looks like you're, you've got a full, full list of bonus features that you're going to be able to sit back and relax to when you get this box set in October. Um, I have mine pre-ordered. Brad, I'm sure you have yours pre-ordered. Um, I know Ryan like has already had it in his mind for years, and now it's just a matter of getting it physically to him. Um, so yeah, and it looks like that's news, unless I missed anything, guys. Yeah, he covered it. Right, right on. Uh, so why don't we uh, check out what's uh, coming out on Blu-ray and 4K? DVD releases the Blu-rays. Can you do that again while I'm not looking away? You changed your background. I love it. All righty. So um, uh, it's actually kind of a a big old uh, release week, or at least with stuff that we would all be interested in in some form or fashion. Um, uh, We'll start off with some stuff that might be a little bit less known. Um, Criterion is putting out The Naked City from 1948. Um, uh, If you want to check that out, they're also putting out Brute Force from 1947. Um, And then Kino Lobor is putting out The Gray Fox. Um, with Richard Farnsworth. Um, and then we'll move on to the uh, a little bit more known fare. Um, the uh, Supergirl, the complete, of, uh, the complete fifth season, will be coming out to Blu-ray. Um, we are getting a, uh, a re-release of Ghost in the Shell in 4K, uh, the original anime from 1995. Um, Brad, have you, are, do you have plans to pick this up? The cover art looks really cool, but I also have like it on DVD and on Blu-ray and on Steelbook. It's just like, do I really need to be buying another version right now just because the cover art's cool? Well, given the fact that you have no other real new releases to buy yet, you may be able to justify this. Who knows? Oh, I got a Friday the 13th box set coming out, so... Yeah, that's true. That's going to take $160 out of your pocket, so... It already did. Um... Yeah, then there's a Rambo. There's a Rambo set coming out. There is finally. Okay. Rambo Steelbook set, which cool. I don't need the Last Blood, but no, I don't. It sounds like nobody needed it. I still haven't seen it. Um, but anyway, regardless, um, Superman: Man of Tomorrow uh, in 4K coming out. It, this seems like it's a new DC animated film. I have not heard of it, so. Uh, maybe it, maybe it'll be worth checking out. I don't know. Um, you guys are a little bit more into the DC animated films than I am. Um, Kino Lobor is putting out Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, with Peter Cushing from 1965. I've never heard of this before. Is this a Doctor Who movie? Is this just a bunch of TV episodes combined or something? I don't know. I might check it out to see what's going on here. Yeah, do uh, I. Uh, and then Kino Lobor is also putting out um, a, a collection of films starring a man who is adored on this podcast by one particular individual who's not here today. So that Sam Raimi box set? No, no. It's it's not only it's not it's none other than Cary Grant the collection. Um, and you will get the movies Ladies Should Listen, Wedding Present, and Big Brown Eyes. Big Brown Eyes is a good movie. I have seen it. I have not seen Wedding Present or Ladies Should Listen. Um, but you can hear Ryan talk about those on previous episodes, and you can list, read his article on the website where he goes through the entire Cary Grant filmography. Um, and uh, <clears throat> let's see. The History of the Kelly Gang, uh, which is a film that came out last year, uh, is getting its Blu-ray release, along with 
First Cow, Kelly Reichardt's film that was coming out this year, and then when COVID broke out, they pulled it from theaters. Uh, so I would recommend people support First Cow by buying it on Blu-ray because I, Kelly Reichardt's a good filmmaker and her film got fucked over by a virus that... Anyway, uh, and then it looks like we're getting a uh, Invisible Man steel book um, uh, from Best Buy, which we didn't get when it initially came out. I'm a little upset that I have to repurchase The Invisible Man, but at the same time, I'm not because I have no problem financially supporting that movie. Uh, and then uh, we'll go ahead and announce the the big announcement here. This is for me and nobody else, I guess. Um, Hitchcock's finally coming to 4K, baby. Uh, you will get a collection of four of Hitch's finest films. You know what, Corinne? <laughs> I am not... <laughs> Why don't you go talk to your Jayhawk over there back there? <laughs> and what films are those? Why, well, like, Corinne, you can watch Rear Window, the incredible story about how James Stewart doesn't want to marry Grace Kelly. You can watch Vertigo, a story of obsession. You can watch The Birds, the story of a lot of things happening in Bodega Bay involving feathered friends. And you can watch Psycho, one of the 10 greatest films ever made. Um, these are all in 4K. Psycho's getting the standout solo release in 4K with a nice steel book from Best Buy. Uh, it's not the greatest steel book in the world, but I do like the design of it. Um, and this 4K version of Psycho does include the uncut version, which includes basically extended uh, takes uh, from the film that had to be cut out for the censors at the time. Uh, and up until recently, this version has only really been available in Germany. So now it's available to us in 4K. There might be an episode coming up in my new series where we uh, break down the 4K release of Psycho with uh, Ryan. Um, it, uh, it's something that he and I bandied about at one point, but uh, we'll see. Um, and uh, other than that, there is no other real new releases worth talking about. Uh, so, it's yeah. a pretty cool uh Total Recall Steelbook coming out in December that they showed cover art for. Really? Um, Did it come out this week? <laughs> it's announced this week. It's, oh, okay. it's not actually coming out until December 8th. Um, okay. I'm just looking at Best Buy's upcoming Steelbooks. Like I said, the Rambo set looks cool. Yeah. Even if actually, you have to buy less blood with it, huh? I actually did lie. There is one more release that might be of note for people. Um, it, it is for me. Uh, the Rob Zombie trilogy uh, is coming out on a steelbook at Target, and this is the tril- This is basically the Firefly trilogy, so it includes House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. You can get it in a nice steelbook with cool artwork of the Firefly clan. Um, the three prominent figures are uh, Otis, Baby, and whoever Richard Brake was playing in Three from Hell. I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, and then at the, at the top, overlooking them like a proud father is Sid Haig. So it's a nice little steelbook. Um, for that demented, lovable family. So, yeah. And that's Blu-rays. Again, I'm waiting for Ryan to chime in, and he's not here. Uh, yeah, let's... Uh... This is the segment I call Things We, we Watch With Our Eyeballs. Self- <laughs> we need to be self-sufficient. We need to learn how to operate without Ryan. Uh, we used to. He's just been doing it so consistently that I've, I've you know, it, it, it was easier to do Keeps taking snapshots. <laughs> That's Zach. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's, it's easier to do when we're all in the same room. Uh, but this this disconnect, I'm just like, man, I haven't hosted in forever. Um, yeah, let's talk about what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. 
Zach, I mean Corinne. <laughs> what have you been watching? <laughs> um, a lot. Um, but I'll just talk about um, some highlights. So last week I went to see my first movie back in the theater. I went and saw the personal history of David Copperfield. You too? Yep. And it's a it's a pretty good movie. I think I don't I think like there there's some elements where it's like really stylized and that's fine with me. I just wish they were a little bit more consistent because there's like the whole intro you know, like, David Copperfield, like, the adult is, like, narrating his own birth, and he's, like, the actor is in the room, like, you know, kind of like a ghost or something, like, just, like, here, I am telling you the story, but I'm in the story, so kind of, like, putting you in there, but then they never bring that up again, and I'm, like, I don't know if that's just to, like, help you enter the world and, like, help you figure out that it's, like, a narrative device. I don't know. I just, it just seemed like it needed to be more consistent, but, um, so one thing I really liked about the film is that it's pretty much race blind casting. Um, David Copperfield is played by Dev Patel and there are a bunch of uh, other familiar faces. Hugh Laurie and Peter Capaldi are some of my favorite actors and they were in it. Um, but they have a lot of other uh, people, including actors of color who are playing, you know, Dickens characters. And I'm like, literally don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, if anything, it's a good thing. Um, you know, it doesn't detract from the experience at all. I think it's, um, kind of nice, it's something different, you know, seeing a period piece that's, you know, everyone, not just white people. Yeah. So I'm down. I would like to see more like that. I mean, if they did a pride and prejudice where every member of the Bennett family was a person of a different race, I would literally not care as long as Mr. Darcy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> And Elizabeth, like, as long as I get the characters right, I don't care. But I've never read David Copperfield, so I can't speak as to, like, you know, how many elements from the book that they pulled in or they messed up or they, you know, adapted well. I can't speak to that. But just yeah. from – it's it's a very Dickens story. You know, different people of, you know, strata in social society or social strata um, – you know, they all kind of just come together, and I don't know if it's ever happened before, but seeing Peter Capaldi and Hugh Laurie share a scene together was awesome. Uh, granted, like, Dev Patel and a couple of other actors are in the room, so it wasn't just them, but I was like, I never thought it would happen. Boom, worlds collide. Anyway, History of David Copperfield, excellent movie. Um, it's a lot of witty humor, which I appreciated. Um. I think it's worth seeing, not necessarily in the theater. And, of course, that's going to be everyone's personal decision, whether yeah. they go to the theater or not. But when it comes out on video, check it out. Yeah, we haven't heard it yet, but we I saw it, and we talked about it in the, the episode that's not up yet, and I, I found it just really hard to follow. But it occurred to me, like, I never really noticed it before, but Charles Dickens, like, all of his most popular, well-known stuff is about class Warfare, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's literally all he wrote. Yeah, Oliver Twist, for yeah, uh, this thing, um, great or uh, great expectations. Or Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what The Dark Knight Rises is based on. Um, and then uh, Christmas Carol, a, a wealthy man who has to <laughs> learn to tolerate the poor. Other than Great Expectations and A Christmas Carol, the one I'm most familiar with is Bleak House. 
And gosh, that is a long one. Um, it's like 15 parts. I think I want to say they're like 30 minutes long. I'm talking about the mini series, um, but it's really good. And yeah, it's like every every class is represented. You've got the nobility, and then you've got like like street urchins. It's it's everyone. So. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I think I wished uh, Copperfield had had more of that, like, whimsy, like that real surreal stuff. Like, the very beginning, it has a lot of, like, surreal camera work and, uh, you know, jumping between sets and, like, incredibly, like, when the hand comes down and, like, pulls them out of the story and puts them elsewhere. Um, that kind of goes by the wayside as the movie goes on. So, mm-hmm. there's more of that. Let's look like a little, um, not Spike Jones, but, um, Who's the other guy that does stuff like that? He did, uh, he did uh, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, um, um, Michelle Gondry. Gondry, thank you. Cool, what else do you watch? So, uh, I won't talk a lot about it, but I did want to mention that, so, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I promised that I would watch three movies that... Uh, Miyazaki had written but not directed for the kind of epilogue to the Miyazaki or catching the Miyazaki classics that I did. And I never got around to writing about, like I watched Whispers of the Heart, but I never got around to writing it for the website. Of course, it's been a year now, so I'm like, I don't even remember what happened. So I rented it from the library again, rewatched it. So look for that article in the next week or so. But yeah. So I watched that. Okay. So then I watched Mulan, the new one. Oh, you paid 30 bucks to see it? Um, I did not. <laughs> Basically, I did. It's complicated. Did you steal it, Corinne? Mm, uh, someone yes. else had bought it, and I accessed it through them. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Hmm. So anyway, um, overall, eh, like I can see why people have mixed feelings about it. Some people are like, it's really awesome, it's cool, it stands on its own merit. And then other people are like, it's really boring and like it doesn't offer up anything new. And I don't know, it's really, because it's, so it really, I feel like the style really separates itself from the Disney story or the Disney the animated version, which I kind of appreciated, but at the same time, they keep having, like, the musical cues keep coming up. They keep playing Reflection. They play Honor to Us All at one point when she's, like, putting on, like, the dress and the makeup and stuff. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Like, either make it its own thing or make it, like, a straight, you know, live-action adaptation. But they try to make it its own thing. And it's just really jarring when you have, like, the general sitting there and being like, you must be tranquil as a forest, but on fire within. And I'm like, that's just taking me out of the movie. (laughs) It's just making me think of a better movie. But um, the music, on the whole, other than, like, you know, the fact that it's... There are elements of, hey, we want you to remember this other movie, like, this nostalgia sort of thing. But other parts of it where it's like bringing new elements in. I appreciated that. And I thought that was really good. The style and the cinematography and the costumes are all amazing. 
Um, whoever did like the costumes and makeup and everything, fantastic. Set designs are great. Um, basically like the production value is fine. And as far as like acting goes, I know some people had complaints about the main actress, um, whose name I forget and can't pronounce it anyway, probably. But um, I don't know, like she didn't stand out to me, but I didn't think she was terrible either. So yeah, nobody's acting really stood out, to be honest, except for maybe the guy who plays the villain, whatever. It's not, it's nothing to really write home about. I don't really, I, I just don't know how to describe it. Seems it's, like a trend among Disney live action remakes. I mean, it's definitely, it feels more like its own thing than Beauty and the Beast did for uh, at least. Like I never saw the live action Aladdin or Lion King. Beauty and the Beast, I think was the last one I saw. And I was like, this is almost a little too close to it. And this feels like a lot more removed. The fact that they take Mushu out, the fact that they change like the feel of it somehow. It's hard to describe. Um, I think and it's... Oh boy, some of the dialogue is so on the nose. It's like, oh my gosh, who wrote this? <laughs> I think Disney's created a problem for themselves where like, you know, they want to make something different, but the fans are so obsessed with the originals and like maintaining their integrity that they can't do anything radical enough to make you interested in watching it. Exactly. And the but, fact that they're they're trying to they're trying to market this to two different audiences who have wildly different expectations, right? Because you've got the American market, which is like all wrapped up in nostalgia and they remember the, you know, animated Mulan vividly and they love it. And yeah, where's they, the dragon? Yeah. Yeah, where's Mushu? Like all that kind of stuff. But then you have the um, Chinese audiences who are really wanting this like, you know, action packed, faithful ish, you know, they might give you some leeway, but they want something that's faithful to, the story of Mulan, the legend or poem. I think it's actually a poem, but anyway, they want like a faithful adaptation because there have been plenty of other movies that have adapted Mulan's story in China, but in America, there's only the Disney version. So they're trying to literally half-ass two things. Um, they're trying to do like, you know, this kind of crouching tiger hidden dragon sort of thing, but also trying to like, make a live action version of a cartoon. So it sometimes I feel like they pull it off and sometimes I feel like they don't. Does it uh, have Ian McKellen asking to be changed back? No, it does not, Zach. <laughs> okay, then I don't then I don't no, I I, I want to watch it, but I just I feel like that premium's asking too much of me. But well, maybe it's gonna I'm, be part of the subscription in three months anyway so yeah and i mean just wait till then i technically have access to disney plus but i have not touched it so um that you know that'll tell you how compelled i am to to, you know dive into it but i mean it still looks fun and i've heard that i've heard i've heard some reviews say that they're like happy with the representation element of it which 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 does my heart good but um, but yeah, if the, if the story's kind of trying to balance two different um, expectations, that's always going to be a tough task to, to uphold, you know? Like, maybe the best example I can give you is the fact that, so everyone, of course, familiar with the animated movie will remember Cricky or Cricket, the Cricket. Yeah. So they 
adapt that character into live action by basically making him a guy. They're like, oh, my grandmother named me Cricket because I was born under an auspicious moon. And he's a guy. He's, I don't know, he doesn't really do anything. He's just there. Do they they have a guy named Mushu in there? And he's like as fierce as a dragon? Nope. Okay, well, there you go. One, wait, one tiny thing I want to point out. So, in the animated version, and I've never, I don't think I've ever caught this before, but you know that awesome scene where Mulan decides she's going to, like, cut her hair and run off and be a guy and everything like that, awesome, with the synth music and everything, you know? So, they keep, so that right when she just makes her decision, she's sitting under, on the statue of the Great Stone Dragon, right? That gets mm-hmm. destroyed later by Mushu. So then during that whole sequence where she's cutting her hair and putting on the armor, they keep showing this image of a dragon. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh. so it's like, you know, the, I think the symbolism is like Mulan is the dragon or she's becoming the dragon or the dragon is like influencing her decisions. Cause that could arguably be the reason why Mushu couldn't wake the great skull. The Great Stone Dragon later in the movie is because the Great Stone Dragon has already gone with Mulan. It is Mulan. Ah. Something, you know, something along those lines. This is what a YouTube comment actually pointed this out, and I was like, hmm, interesting. But anyway, dragons in China are associated with the masculine, uh, with the male, right? But then the phoenix, which it's not technically a phoenix, there's the... I don't remember the the term for it in Chinese, but it's or it's a it's like its own thing, but it gets translated into English as phoenix, and it's not a phoenix because um, it doesn't like catch fire and you know reborn out of the ashes and all that. But anyway, that bird is associated with the feminine, with the female. Like all those birds, like even in the movie, the dad refers to the bird as a she, and he's like she sits at the right hand of the emperor. And so I was like, I think it's kind of interesting that here, you know, in the animated version we got, you know, Mulan is becoming or taking on this masculine thing. And in the live action Disney version, it's like, no, she is becoming this feminine thing. So I don't know what it means, but I just wanted to point that out. Okay. Cool that you noticed it. Yeah, think think Wikipedia because it pointed it out to me. <laughs> I mean, at least like the the bird and how it was associated with the feminine. Yeah. Anyway, That's and it cool. said that it's even paired often with the dragon, which is masculine. What's well, cool that they were able to kind of to to throw in that symbology in there and kind of work with that in terms of the visual level. So that's nice. I mean, I personally think it like the live action. It's more of like you like you are a woman in a man's world, but you're still taking on this role that in our culture is feminine, if that makes sense. Because spoilers from the movies, you guys, she's the phoenix. She's the one who sits at the right hand of the emperor. It's not very subtle at all. (laughs) But she, um, so like I said, like she ends up becoming part of the emperor's guard at the end. Presumably they, they extend her the invitation and so it's like, yeah, she becomes the phoenix. Like, she sits at the right hand of the emperor. So Yeah, well, that, that, that's still cool regardless. I mean, and also, like, expectations-wise, I mean, like, it's a Disney movie. I, I know what I'm getting into when I go to a Disney movie um, that isn't Marvel-related or even Star Wars-related, you know, because there's a formula that they run, and, and I expect that at this point. 
So one last thing I'll throw in there is that when the Death on the Nile trailer dropped, I was like, all right, I need to revisit Murder on the Orient Express. So I did. And it's really good. I think I didn't appreciate how good it is the first time around. Did you um, notice how com- uh, how co- cozy that movie is for some reason? Like it's like it's very like not the subject matter isn't, but it's like it's a good movie to just like to just curl up in and watch. Like it's like comfort food. It's really strange. I can get behind that. I think it went by a lot faster this time for some yeah. reason. I think it's because well, I mean, you've read the book before, right? No. Okay, I, I'd only seen the the uh, movie that was done back in the seventies before, but like so since I knew the story it was more just like it it lagged for me at first because I was trying to um, suss out like how his interpretation is going, and he also draws certain things out. When I did it for fitness cinema last year, um, I was amazed how much it flew by, and I was still hooked with, throughout the entirety of the proceedings. So like it. It's a really good like I, I think I think the problem that I that I ran into when I first saw it was I had high expectations for it and I should have leveled those off and been like, it's gonna be a murder mystery. So just enjoy yourself and don't expect any like class out of it, you know? Like there's a class to it, but there's like, you know, there's there's poop jokes in that movie. So, you know, like there's you know, it it, it does its job very well and I think is a very good director. Um and a good I, I like him as Perot in the movie a lot, so um I'm 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 very excited for Death on the Nile and in, in the grand schemes of like I just want a good you know murder mystery being solved and it's a good like filler until I get the next um, uh, 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 mystery from Ryan Johnson from the Knives Out characters. So it's almost kind of like the perfect formula for an ensemble movie. It is because even though you don't get to spend a ton of time with all of the characters, you get. Like, just enough, like, because of the the drama of the situation, the scenes that they do get are just, like, scenery-chewing type scenes. Um, the, you know, the the, the, the former nurse, um, crap, I can't, I can't figure the actress's name now, but when she comes in and she, you know, she's like a missionary now because she feels guilty about what happened, and she just keeps saying these things, like, you know, God will determine what happens to us or something. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're really serious, man. But it's, yeah, it's, I'm telling you, it's like the perfect ensemble movie formula. And it has the right amount of Willem Dafoe, which is the key ingredient for any movie that Willem Dafoe is going to be involved in. He has, you have to have the right amount of him or the movie's no good. Yeah. It's a good movie. And I am excited for death on the Nile. Yeah. Cause I actually don't know this, the, spoilers for that one because when i went into murder on the orient express i knew like spoilers they're all in on it (laughs) Um, they all committed the murder together but i don't know for death on the nile so don't tell me oh no i'm i'm ignorant on death of the nile as well so we're we're gonna we're gonna both walk out walk in um uh uh ignorant Ignorant. so yeah um but the death on the nile did come out on kino lobor their the version of it with um Frank Stallone. So maybe I need to watch it. I don't know. I don't really appreciate having to pay money for a movie with Frank Stallone in it. But it has Donald Pleasance in it. So that might balance it out. Anyway, that's all I've been watching. Sweet. Uh, Zach, you said you didn't watch anything? Um, I didn't watch anything this week, but I did watch one thing last week that I didn't talk about, and I did kind of want to talk about it. 
Um, I got from Kino Lobor um, their release of Pritzi's Honor from 1985. Um, it's the second to last movie by John Huston, um, who will be an upcoming subject on Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review. Wink. Um, but uh, the movie's Jack Nicholson, Kathleen Turner, and Angelica Houston. Um, and it's it's basically what if uh, The Godfather was a comedy. And I had only watched it once before, and I kind of feel like I just kind of went through the beats with it um, and appreciated it as just a mob comedy. When I watched it this time, I was really struck by... John Huston doesn't have, like, a distinct visual style per se, but what he does have is a good... Uh, thematic presence running through and the and the whole the whole crux of Pritzi's honor is kind of examining the most masculine um or tough guy imaginable and what happens when he has to to go through the bouts of a typical relationship and how that functions but it also serves as a a a, a satire on how mafia values which usually try to instill actual family values um, and how those two collide in the worst way. So it's, it's, it's kind of episodic. It kind of meanders in places, but it all makes sense from a thematic point. And what I appreciate about Houston doing it is that he kind of gets to deconstruct uh, the masculine characters that he made so prominent in early in his career. Um, Cause Nicholson's character, what's inter- what's great about it is, is that it's, it, it, it seems like old hat to us now, but it's the character of a, of a tough guy man who's trying to get in touch with his feelings. What's interesting about the way Nicholson plays it is, is that it doesn't, he's not making that like his overall concern, but like the small touches of him trying to understand what love is, how he's never actually felt like he's been in love because of the profession that he's in. There's a sense of like, Oh, you know, like he's, he's genuinely interested in how a relationship could succeed given his line of work um and so in that sense it actually it it compel it compels his performance in a way that's otherwise a little bit um uh stereotypical because his jack nicholson's accent in the movie is very exaggerated and it is a little hard to take serious it's almost like he should have just played it with the same vocal intonation that he does as um, Jack Napier before he gets turned into the Joker. Um, and this is only like four years before he does the Joker. So there's like a little bit of what he does in Princey's honor that gets pulled into Batman, I feel. Um, and Angelica Houston's still great in the movie. When she gives her father, she gives her father the heart, heart attack by talking about having sex with Jack Nicholson. It is still very fucking hilarious. Um, and so, yeah, that's all I've, that's all I've watched within recent viewing. Cool. I guess I'll go then. Um, uh, Red, what did you watch this week? I uh, I went and watched The Dark Knight Rises in the theater again. Okay, uh, it's, it's part of the uh, Regal flashback series, and, and that was cool to see. Um, I missed the IMAX though. Uh, there's great cinematic parts of that movie that you know were squished down and not as grand as I remember, but uh, it's a uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. I mean, it's, it's that that stigma will always be over it. Um, yeah, it's. I I saw the listing on there, and I just, I I didn't feel it was um, 
<laughs> it was ever going to be a good time for me to go back to that. So yeah, I, I didn't call you. I was like, There's, he's not going to this. <laughs> and you yeah, should. I, I've got it on Blu-ray. I have not watched the trilogy um, since I quit drinking. So maybe that's something I need to do to um, overcome some small demons. But you know, yeah. I don't know if I've seen the whole movie since it was in the theaters. Uh, the last time I, I remember lips or something like when it was on TV, but the last time I watched the whole thing, the last time I watched it, what I remember was uh, feeling like it was a little too maligned. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but I would like to see how I view it now um, with a little bit of time removed from uh, dealing with certain issues regarding it. So, but, uh, did, but, but it also sucks that we don't have a chance to see it in IMAX again, because it did look great in IMAX um, from yeah. what I understand. So, it's it's yeah. just such an, like an epic scale movie. I mean, like the dark Knight is epic, but like rises is really like a sweeping epic, you know? Um, well, yeah, dark, dark Knight's much more of a, a crime film. Above yeah. anything else, so it's it's like heat and heat is an epic, but like Dark Knight Rises is like is like you know Lord of the Rings of Batman, you know, it's like it takes place over like a large area and um, yeah, it, it's not really portrayed well, but like a lot of time passes um, across yeah, that story. That was one of my initial problems with the movie was the way time passes in it. When I finally saw it in full the first time I was curious about how the timeline actually worked, but then I kind of just let it go. Cause I was like, yeah. this, this is not the important part of the story. <laughs> yeah. It feels like Bane's thing. Like it all takes place over a matter of weeks. But you know, when you think about Bruce Wayne is, is in that pit. Um, and then like the finale takes place sort of in winter. I think like six months or something has passed. I, I, I think it was three months. Three months. Um, Isn't there like three months time on the bomb or something? Yeah, something like that. The core will deplete in three months or something. Um, yeah, something like that. So, and then on top of that, you know, Batman's been away for seven years, uh, not doing anything. He was retired for eight years, sir. Not seven. What? I believe it was eight years, wasn't it? Not to, not to nitpick, but... I thought it was seven, but whatever. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, gosh, I, there's something else. I forgot what it is. But anyway. Uh, Sorry, so, I accidentally turned into a nerd there. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. I just, well, we I, are I, real nerds after all. That is true. <laughs> uh, the other thing uh, I watched for the first time is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <clears throat> oh. And that was part of the uh, drive-in I did. Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it before. It's a Lord and Miller film, which I like their work a lot because of 21 Jump Street and uh, you know, the Spider-Verse. But... Uh, yeah, this one seemed it was like less clever to me. Like it's it's clever in a way that you know there's like a lot of food puns and uh, just general it's based silliness. On a book, right? Yeah, it's based on like a very short book. Yeah, like a kid's book, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but some fun stuff that stood out was like Bruce Campbell uh, voices the you know the town mayor, and uh, you know I didn't pick up on this right away, but. Yeah, the, the the town only like has sardines for food, and so yeah, this you know young inventor creates a machine that converts water into food that falls from the sky, and he doesn't know how to say no to everyone's request, so he just starts making he just gives everyone everything they want, and it Maybe gets I out of hand. Collided uh, with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> yeah, cautionary tale for Zach. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's silly. Um, 
but it's just it, it lacks the depth and satire of the other films in there. So I saw it when it came out um, in the theater, and I went I went in with zero expectations, and I Lord and Miller didn't have a reputation at this point. Um, so I was actually like, I loved the movie when it came out because I wasn't expecting it to be any good. Like every trailer made it look like garbage. And like the expectation was so low that when I walked out, I was like, that was like surprisingly good. Um, but I've never seen the sequel. So obviously maybe the concept doesn't hold up for, you know, in future installments. Yeah, me either. And like the whole, like, uh, like spray on shoes and how that comes back around is that is clever. Um, not as emotionally resonant as I think I should have felt. But again, whenever I watch stuff at the drive, there's always kind of a disconnect anyway. Uh, which is why I, I prefer watching movies I've seen before there. Uh, movies I've seen before, like Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home, which was really fun to just watch back-to-back straight through because they're so consistent. Um, so, uh, But yeah, nothing new to talk about. Except that you're the new biggest Spider-Man fan on the planet. Yeah, I mean, I went out of my way to uh, go do that. You know, I, I, I took the time. I, I made time for it. Um, you know, I work, too, um, and have other things going on. You have I, you have Q, which is like having a kid. Yeah, like, that's my son. Yeah. Um, and he did not come this time because I don't think he likes going to the drive-in that much. <laughs> he probably gets scared. Him out. <laughs> yeah. Anytime he goes into the carrier, he's like, this is probably going to result in me getting some, some kind of animal care. And he's just waiting for it for like three hours and it doesn't come. Yeah. I still want Q reviews from Q, like re- reviews of the movies from Q. I told you his review is. Yes, I know, but I need to, I need like a video series where he just does that for every single movie imaginable. But you have to find the one movie where he would actually speak <laughs> like to, to show disdain. <laughs> you should live stream him. Q <laughs> <Yeah>. reacts. <laughs> you could be his translator, Brad. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks scared, so I'm going to say that this movie is scary. <laughs> That's his review. <laughs> and this, this other movie looks scary. Yeah, I think they're all just scary for him. Okay, uh, no. he's twitching, so that means Zootopia is not accurate to actual animal behavior. Um, <laughs> I love the movies with chinchillas in them. Ooh. I think, there's a, <laughs> I think there's a movie with a, a chinchilla skin coat. Or a chinchilla <laughs> fur coat. So, I don't want to show him that one. Anyway, uh, the last thing I watched is uh, Batman Beyond on Blu-ray was on sale at Best Buy, so I picked that up. And so I'm uh, watching Batman Beyond for the first time. And, uh, you Side know. note, Brad, there is a movie called Killer Chinchillas. From. What? I'm guessing 1952? 2008. Oh, so it's like uh, an asylum film, probably. Chinchillas weren't popular until the 80s, Brad. <laughs> it says a, it's a comedy horror short, so. Oh, it's a oh, short, really full-length movie. Okay. It's really some student film or something. You know, we could do a double feature of it with Twombly, and it'll uh, it'll sell sell massive ticket sales. Is it spelled? Is killer is killer spelled like killa? So it's like killa chinchilla. Oh, missed opportunity. Uh, anyway, Batman Beyond. Uh, you know, as a kid, when it came out, it came out during a time when like 
all children's programming was being marketed as extreme, you know. Radical, uh, tubular, excellent, yeah. Yeah, like everything's like hip and uh, just extreme. Like there's just extremeness to everything uh, in the late 90s for uh, kids. And uh, so, yeah. Lights and dance clubs. <laughs> that's what this looked like. And uh, like as a Batman purist, I was like, Psh, no, I'm not going to. Uh, yeah, B- Batman the anime series is, is pure Batman, and this is just pandering to, you know, everything kids like nowadays. And uh, yeah, and that's that's a, that's a stupid kid talking because uh, the show is actually quite good. Um, yeah, yeah, it starts out with Bruce Wayne. You know, it's it's really quite tragic. Uh, one of his final missions as like young Batman is, uh, you know, he has a heart attack on the job, and uh, you know, the villain's about to get the better of him, and he uh, actually turns a gun on somebody, you know, to protect himself, and uh, you know, he realizes that he's he's crossed his own line, and that's how he hangs up the mantle, and then you know comes back years later when Terry McGinnis um, stumbles into his into his world, and. Uh, takes over being Batman Beyond. Um, and then... I remember the show being a lot of fun, so... Yeah, it's, uh... It's probably a little too futuristic for, I think, what is maybe 20, 30 years in the future. Um, but, uh... Yeah, but I watched a ton of it yet. I watched a few episodes, and a lot of it's very much Villain of the Week. Um, but the, uh, the, uh, the intro on the... like. It's a Blu-ray, but the intro part of the, the the series doesn't seem remastered to me. It seems quite fuzzy, like they just they couldn't get the elements, uh, the original elements, because there's so much like early CGI baked into it. Um, so it seems fuzzy to watch, uh, and they also like widescreen it. Like I think it's you know back then it aired in four three format. And I think the intro is designed on purpose to be like widescreen, so it looks more dramatic um, and to fit in that ratio. And uh, you think they would remaster it and like blow it up for sixteen by nine, but um, it looks like they just kind of poured it over because they couldn't finish, like they couldn't remaster it. So that's odd to watch. I wonder if it's because like they don't. Um... The, the market wouldn't be as big as for something like the animated series. Like the animated series has a huge market behind it. And yeah. I don't know if Batman Beyond has the same pull. It plays a lot of fans, but yeah, I, I think uh, it, it, it wasn't going to have the Blu-ray sales of, you know, animated series. So I think they probably, you know, cut back on like, do we need to, how, how much do we need to actually go back and like redigitize all these elements and do this? Like who's really going to care that much? Just right. Brad. <laughs> only Brad will care. Only Brad will notice. That's when Jeff John said, "Good, let him suffer." <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the uh, style of the uh, series is uh, designed by Darwin Cook, apparently, uh, who mm. died really recently. Yeah, um, but it's, it's very famous for like uh, DC's New Frontier uh, graphic novels and stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, Batman Beyond, pretty good. Uh, I, I'm only like about a season in to a three-season Blu-ray set, so... Uh, yeah, it's a very, very episode, the uh, villain of the week type stuff. So, there was like an... 
there was a big villain like Derek Powers, who was like part owner of Wayne Corp. Um, I expected him to be like a overarching bad guy, but he kind of disappears uh, at the end of season one. And uh, yeah, not, not a lot of closure with that storyline because he's connected to Terry McGinnis' father's murder. So that's what I watched this week. Nice. nice. That brings us to our finale. Uh, the movie we all watched, uh, the main film, uh, movie of the week is Tenant. Wow. Again, I don't think that's in there, but keep keep running that joke into the ground. <laughs> are you okay? Are you? Is, are you? Is that no? In your, in your no. Basement. Hans Zimmer came to my house and beat me with a chair, so now I just make this sound randomly. Oh, you might want to get that looked at. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna sue. I'm gonna sue Hans. Corinne, what do you think of Tenant? Uh, do you want me to say whether I recommend people see it? No, because I don't like doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did I think of it? <laughs> what? I, 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 that question is just like, you know, people I, like people should just go see what they want to see. Um, we're just providing our opinion of what we saw. Like, I would never tell someone, like, hey, don't go see this because I didn't like it. Like, I think everyone should, you know, yeah. make their own no, judgment. It's very fair. You can make recommendations or non-recommendations. Like, I recommend that you go see Tenet because it's a good movie. You could, Although, but I don't think it's as beneficial as just saying, like, like, I think everyone should just go see everything. But, whatever. People ain't got that much money. <laughs> Even Jack Benny movies, Brad? Yes. Uh, okay. It's not to be monetary-based. Like, obviously, it's unfeasible for most people to see every movie but I'm just saying like if you see a trailer for something that you're like oh that looks interesting like I think you should indulge it if you can afford it if you yeah. if you're like you know I can I like I only have a certain number of movies um, and I don't know about it. like I don't if I see a movie and like I'm financially strapped and, like that's a maybe then maybe you should just not see it because you know if it's a maybe to you then well, of course, now we have a whole other factor, which is that people are afraid to go to the theater because of yeah. health concerns, which are totally legitimate. And I mean, I've been to the theater three times this week, and two of the three times I was in there by myself. So on the one hand, I was like, well, I'd uh, appreciate the fact that nobody else is here. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is bad, because <laughs> if the theaters are going to want to if theaters are going to be around long term, we're going to need more people than this to be at the showings. But for sure, um, whatever. And actually, I saw it because we rented the theater, so um, they got some extra money that way. But yeah, if, if you're if you're wondering if you should go back to the theater and you're not sure, I would say don't go back to the theater. Like, only go no, there no. when you're like 100 percent confident that you're going to be okay there. Like, yeah, there's no fun. reason. Like, it sucks. Like, they need the business, but also, like you're not obligated to yeah no this is your business it's this, this is not a this is not a moment to exert pride so Corinne, uh, what did you think of tenant <laughs> what did i think of tenant um so i saw it twice i saw it on monday for the um, early screening there were like six people in the theater with me um we were all spread out i felt okay about it i mean obviously it's not great but whatever um the first time i saw it 
I had a really hard time telling what was going on because a lot of the scenes where they give very important exposition, either the soundtrack is too loud or there's like background noise going on. Like they're in a terrain yard or they're on a boat with the wind blowing in their face, you know, something that's a loud environment as it is. And they're trying to give this really important exposition and there's just like all this background noise. And it's like, I cannot hear what's going on. So that was a bad thing, but the spectacle's awesome. The acting is great. Overall, I really liked it and I wanted to go see it again partly because I didn't know what the hell was going on. I mean, I got the gist of it, but some of the finer points, I was like, what are they talking about? So seeing it a second time, I was like, first of all, I picked up on a lot more of those things, but also the overall plot made a lot more sense because once you get to the end, you have information that you didn't have at the beginning. So when you go watch it the second time, you have the info and everything makes a lot more sense because you're like, oh, right, because that's setting up that thing later. That's what that means. That's how this happens sort of a deal. So overall, I liked it. Um, yeah, I think people should watch it in the theater or at home one day, whatever they feel safe. Zach, what do you think of Tenet? Um, well, I guess part of this also has to extend to my experience because this was my first time going back to the theaters since March. Um, uh, I'll be, I'll be upfront. I'm still of the, I'm, I'm still unsure about theaters reopening period. Um, I think it's, I still think it's too soon. Um, now that having been said, I went, so I'm not innocent of, you know, or I'm not innocent of not having gone or whatever. I'm guilty of going like, you know, anybody else who is curious about tenant. Um, and, uh, when I went, I went with my dad, which was very nice to have him come with me to the movie. And we were going to be the only ones in our screening until two or four other people showed up 10 minutes into the movie. Um, but everybody followed the, uh, followed the procedures. Um, people were kept, uh, socially distant, um, I didn't really see people eating, so they weren't really taking off their masks. Like, people had popcorn, but maybe they were, like, getting a piece and then putting their mask back on and such. There are people doing theater checks at Regal um, to enforce the policies. Um, they've had to do th- – Regal does theater checks anyway to do headcount, so this is just another addition to their policy. Um, and um, and the, and it was very empty in that lobby. There's no promotional materials out there for any movies. There's no posters, no nothing. Um I was thankful to get a physical ticket because that was something I was worried about disappearing. Um, but I did have to go to the kiosk to get it. So it's one of those weird tickets. That's not an actual ticket. Um, uh, so, but yeah, my experience was positive, but I do not, um, I don't, I I didn't go as a matter of saying fuck you to people who want to, um, want, want us to be safe. It was, uh, for me, it was a matter of, um, uh, really trying to to suss out what's going on with what these policies are. I'm never going to stop going to movie theaters. And so for me, the safe safety is a primary concern in the, when it comes to movie theaters for me, as Brad knows all too well. Um, so, so my, my, my going was mainly to see, to test the waters and see what's going on. Am I going to go frequently? Probably not. Um, I'm probably going to space it out if I go to new releases and such. 
um, and just see where my comfort level is each time. Um, what was that? Um, but um, anyway, so, um, uh, you know, I, I think that, I think if you're comfortable going, the the screenings that I went that I went to was not um, mass attended. So I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you're comfortable going, you can go. And the and the good part of it is this: if you don't feel comfortable and you need to leave, you can leave. Um, but so there there are ways to see it responsibly. Just wear your mask. Um, but again, it's a judgment call. It's a personal call. It's not. You should and you certainly shouldn't do it to make a point. Um, of anything because that would that that just looks terrible um uh as for the movie itself um if this is the movie that was supposed to reopen theaters um i'm curious as to why there was a hoopla around it um in terms of the movie itself i know nolan has a name i obviously like nolan myself um but i'm not beholden to nolan that i'm not going to call out what I see in the movie, which is that I think that this movie has a lot of issues with its story, with its script. Um, but a lot of those mistakes are balanced out with a very um, imaginative amount of action filmmaking and visual set pieces. So it is worth watching. I do recommend you watch it. Um, but if you're looking for the same level of intrigue on a story level that you might've got with inception or, interstellar i think that the waters are way too uh muddled here um i liked john david washington robert pattinson i I think all the actors are most excellent in the movie i just feel like the material they're given is not serving them the best um and and also the sound mix as has been discussed is a huge issue um and i don't know i still haven't read nolan's defense of it or whatever but um, to me, it was very hard to hear some of the dialogue. Um, and I think that the dialogue is unfortunately very key to this movie because of a lot of the explanation that has to go into what is going on. Um, and, uh, I will say also as a print disclosure, I got off of work right before going to the movie. So I was tired already from the day. And so I may not have been paying the best attention. So my impression of the film is, trying to follow the first 40 minutes of this movie was difficult. But once you get past the 40 minute mark or so, if if you start getting on the movie's wavelength, you start understanding what they're going for. And I'm, it it just feels like it's a little inconsistent, but I would still go see it if you are comfortable um, or wait till digital and watch it that way. Um, So yeah, Brad, what did you think of Tenet? These guys are going to leave anything for the actual review. Um, Oh, yeah, there's plenty to talk about still. Uh, yeah, so I found this movie quite confusing. Um, uh, side note, uh, I, I got to see it in a private screening because you can rent theaters at the Century Belmar for like 150 bucks. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Um, might do that more often. Uh, Did so- you do that with like other people you know? Yeah, I, I was part of like a party of ten. Oh, gotcha. I was um, like, <laughs> you rented a hundred and fifty dollar theater to be by yourself. I, I didn't do it. Like my friend did, and like I didn't. Yeah. Like he paid for it all himself. Uh, but I mean, if you think about how much a theater would rake in with like I don't know fifty people, like there's still like the, you know, like the Alamo, a minimum is even though they said one hundred fifty bucks, it's with the food service, like 300. So, um, yeah, really good deal for 150. 
um, and, you know, if, if you have like at least 10 people, you know, you, you just pay like a normal ticket price, you're good. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the movie was quite confusing, although I did appreciate, you know, it's still filmmaking on a, like a master class level. Um, it is hard to hear important dialogue, which, you know, is not a good thing to do in a movie that's very convoluted. Um, you know, and unlike, uh, like Inception, they take a lot of time to explain you know, the, the mechanics of the world you're in. And literally in Tenant, they do that for about two minutes and then say like, you know what, forget it. Just trust what we're doing is, it makes sense and just go with it. Um, and then actually I was surprised a lot of the movie didn't have uh, a lot of the inversion special effects. You know, it's, it's there, but it's in like key moments, but it's not all the time. And um, I actually thought editing wise, the pacing was really consistent, which made parts boring because a lot of dialogue scenes just cut back and forth between just people talking when they're talking on screen. So it's just face and face and face and face back and forth to the point where it almost feels like the actors aren't in the same room together at the same time. So, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I was, I was too confused to talk about the story. So, uh, but I, I want to see it again in IMAX. And so here's the trailer for Tenant. All I have for you is a word. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike's bring me in. You really want to know? He can communicate with the future. Time travel. No. Inversion. Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Whoa. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Your duty transcends national interests. This is about survival. It seems bold. Bold, I'm fine with. I thought you were going to say nuts. Where our worlds collide. How would you like to die? Old. You chose the wrong profession. Well, that from here. Hasn't happened yet. There are people in the future who need us. Need a tenant. We need to save them here and now. This reversing the flow of time. 
Doesn't us being here now mean it never happened. You want to crash a plane? But not from the air. Not so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. I will say that for whatever reason, I got the dialogue better the second time around. I don't know if like the theater have just adjusted their levels or if it be, was because I knew I knew what scenes I was going to have problems with that I, I don't know, kept my ears open better or something. But yeah, same thing happened with Bane in Dark Knight Rises. You know, it took a couple of screenings and then it, your brain just adjusts to it. Uh, but it, to the point of like, there was I, only one scene the second time that I had problems with, and we'll talk about it here in a second. Yeah, but I I, I, I appreciate what he's doing to a certain extent. Of he wants, like to, to Zach's point of like, why is this movie the movie that? I mean, no one like no one didn't like make this thing like this is the movie that's going to bring people back to theaters. It's just like something that people are. That was a mar- that was a marketing thing. That's I mean, like Nolan. Nolan was pushing for that theatrical, but that was the 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 whole statement that I made is much more Warner Brothers marketing team and actions. Yeah, because like he's a filmmaker who makes event pictures. Like he wants them to be an experience, and they want them to like. It's not about just telling a story; it's about getting people into theater and like having them experience like a theme park ride. And so now I he's this movie was exactly like that, especially once you get to that second half. Yeah, it's 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 very much a lot of spectacle um, and like. This, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to do this in a movie with like mechanics that are so complicated, like even more complicated than like Inception. But I, I get that like he wants to create, like he wants you to feel like you're there. So like when the sound design is keeping you from hearing dialogue, like that's what the real characters would be having trouble hearing each other um, in those moments. So I get that. I, I don't think it's a smart thing to do because at least people like us confused as to like how the story is going. Um, also, the movie is just really loud. Like, the loud moments are just like, you honestly... They're blowing out the speakers. Like, yeah, it's really it's, bizarre. It's, it's I, I put this on my Twitter that, so when I was walking up to the theater today, I could hear it vibrating outside. Like, I, like I was out in the, like the sidewalk, the courtyard area, and I could hear like, oh my gosh, it's so loud. I, and you know, like, and I don't know if it's something that Nolan intended because there's apparently some kind of defense that he made with, uh, with the sound design that I haven't read yet. But you know, like, it, it's, you know, artistic intent aside, it really helps if people can understand the story that you're telling, especially when it comes to the subject that he's pulling off. Because I. So there's there's a problem that I have with this movie from the sense of like it does something that I didn't see in films like Inception and uh, Interstellar where so the entire um uh what would you call it the uh the the, the, the like the exposition I'm sorry I, I should know the term by now after being on the show for so long um but um the the exposition in this film I don't I, I kind of disagree with Brad because I felt like I was getting exposition up the wazoo throughout the movie laced about just in terms of like there are certain things that happen in the movie certain events that are triggered by 
um, effects in the timeline that are getting over-explained again by Pattinson. But the problem is, is that, and I don't mind exposition if it's done correctly, but the issue is, is that in Inception and in Interstellar, I feel like when they're explaining the world, the physics, the science, whether it's rooted in some form of reality or not, there's an emotional resonance to it, or there's a way that the script is latching me on to liking these characters so that I care about what they're saying. And I don't feel the same way when it comes to this movie. I don't feel the same connection to John David Washington, the way I do to um, uh, uh, McConaughey or DiCaprio's characters in Inception. And I don't know if that's because the script is not serving them well, or that the story needed to go a different direction. Um, Cause it's not Washington's fault. Um, and, you know, I, I maybe speak to that mm-hmm. because so right from the very beginning, um, you get the scene in the concert hall and you get right. the converted bullet that uh, the, the dude pops out and saves him. Right. And of course, immediately I'm like, that's him in the future or some, you know, someone that he sent or someone from the future is coming back to save his life. And you find out pretty quick that the way time travel works in this movie is that it's causal loop, which means that whatever has happened has already happened. You know, it's Terminator logic, right? You, you know, it's by going back in the past to prevent it from happening, you're actually causing it to happen. Right. Right. So everyone who's like living these events, if they go into the future, they come back into the past, they already have knowledge of everything. So just from that, I feel like the stakes are gone because right. when we hear about, um, I forget her character's cat, when cat's talking about like how she saw the woman jumping off the boat at the very beginning. And we, that doesn't mean anything to us now, but of course, once we hear about how she's going to Vietnam to go meet up with her husband from the future, we know exactly what that means. Like she saw the woman jumping off the boat. That means that, she she was there. We already know how it ends, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that's why is because we we know all these characters are going to survive, and I don't think that that's the case in Inception. And I haven't seen Interstellar, but I, I think the fact that we know everyone's going to make it to the end means that it's like, well, why do we care? <laughs> the, the the stakes the stakes are it's almost like the stakes are pretend in this movie. So it's like it's not that there aren't stakes; it's just that they 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 aren't hitting it game levels. Yeah, they, yeah. It's like it's it's almost like it's a cardboard display of your of stakes. That it's not a full three dimension, four to, three to four dimensional character with stakes in it. Like and like and I, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of roll my eyes at a character called the protagonist um, when it comes to something that Nolan's pulling off. It's kind of cute. It's also kind of weird. Um, and uh, But the the thing that keeps me intrigued about this movie is actually kind of what he's doing on a stylistic level. Not with the action scenes, but this movie is like a spy movie. And it's almost like they took a combination of what Hitchcock would do in his spy movies along with James Bond movies, and Nolan just did what he does best with, with that kind of template given. Because that opening scene in the opera house, which is uh, which stru- which becomes very unnerving within the first five minutes, is very, very unnerving. There's a lot of suspense being held in that moment, and there's a lot of imagery that recalls 
something like the um the um the 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 concert scenes in the man who knew too much where i'm like oh they're pulling off some nice little bits of suspense here mixed with some action that's pretty cool so like the the the, the style and the technique of the movie work for me on an interest level but much like a bond movie when i watch a bond movie unless the story is really hooking me i could care less about the story and i kind of wanted to i really wanted to care about the story in this movie and it feels like i didn't get that same connection because like kenneth Branagh is kind of pretty much a bond villain in the movie that's pretty much what he is yeah, and his whole motivation of like, if I can't live, nobody can live. Like that was yeah. kind of really Nolan. Like you couldn't go deeper on that at all. It's 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 so strange because the character is not uh, extremely well written, but Brana brings everything to it. Like it is insane how good he is in the movie with given very little to do. Oh yeah, like he is really digging his teeth into that character. Like it's scene chew, it's scene chewing at its finest, and it works very well for what he's doing. I just feel like, I feel like he wanted to make a Bond movie, but he couldn't make a Bond movie, so he made this instead. Oh, he made a Bond movie. I think yeah. Or he didn't want to make. It'd be like the The best Bond movie ever. I think the timing just hasn't lined up. Yeah, well, you know, like it, 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 like. It just it just feels like there's an attempt here to do something with his brand, brand of sci-fi that just didn't click this time. Um, I like the end of the movie a lot. Like, I love the idea of the end. I love the idea of Pattinson's character being a guy that David Washington would later train. Like, I like the way it kind of sets something up. I just feel like I didn't, and I've only seen it the one time, so maybe this is a film that I have to go back to. I don't know. Um, but it, but there was an idea behind that that I really, really liked. Um, I just kind of wish I was more emotionally involved with Washington's character the way I'd like to be. Um, and it's not to say that like the movie is going to underserve Washington. Cause like he pulls off some really great action stuff in this movie to where I'm like, he could be a really palpable action star. Um, and I, I really like Pattinson in the movie too. It's not as great as the other roles he's been doing the past two or three years, but it's it's still a fun. It's basically the Joe Gor- the Jordan Gordon Levitt character in Inception, uh, dialed up a bit. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think that ultimately, if you watch this movie just for the spectacle of it, you're gonna you're gonna walk out satisfied. Like it is a spectacle of a movie. I just feel like the logic. The logic isn't sustained for me emotionally the way or like interstellar works with such heavy logic about how space works, but it emotionally involves me on the most base level to a way where everything evens out accordingly. And I don't feel like tenant is pulling that off with what it's sci-fi trope is, which is in this case, inverted time travel. Um, and also I, 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 maybe I'm wrong on this, but the, the time tra- travel vague to me, like it, it, it's not, and I'm not saying I need rules set up for it or anything like that per se, but like, I felt like the explanation they gave at the beginning was like very, very, um, uh, too oversimplified and it wasn't as elaborate as I would have liked it to be. But again, is, is it even time travel though? Thing. Like I thought they're explaining that it's, uh, it's just like inverted it's, physics. So they don't call it time travel, but it's basically time travel. I mean, it That's doesn't thing, work. Like it's not like a machine that you, well, it is a machine you jump in, but it's it's not like you jump in a machine and it takes you back to a point in history. It's more like... It reverses it's, from where you are at that moment. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like you start going backwards through time from, like you said, the moment yeah. that you left. Because everything's happening backwards and you can't even move normally through it. You have to like reverse yeah. your own lungs or something. Yeah. And, and again, like my, 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 my confusion lies in the fact that just because they're saying it doesn't mean I understand it. That might make me very, very dumb. So I'm fully aware that I might be the idiot in the room, but it just felt to me like I wasn't um, grasping onto it the way he hoped that I would, or that any other audience member who might be confused would. Um, well, no one has a history of like. I really suggest like a, like multiple viewings because when you go back and you rewatch it, you're like, oh right, because you're seeing the same events. You see it forward, but you see these other characters are starting to move backwards through it. Yeah, you get and to that pivot point. And then you see them moving backwards while other characters, while they're they're also moving forward at the same time. So and, that, and that's why I, that's why I'm, the same event twice, just in reverse directions. Right, and that's why I, that's why I'm not dismissing the movie entirely because in the movie, like I think it's maybe about the halfway mark or just near the the third act, I started seeing what they were doing as you were saying with the with how events are being replayed in a different fashion, whether going forward or backward. So I was so when I walked out of the movie, I was like, I definitely need to go see this movie again, whether in the theater or on digital. However, I do it. Um, it was just, it, I guess, it felt disappointing that I wasn't able to catch it the first time. So maybe it's an ego thing where I'm like, well, I, maybe I'm too stupid to get this movie, like, you know. But I, but again, like I, I feel like even with multiple, it's it sucks that it doesn't work the first time around for you in a certain respect because. Um, if, if the if we have a COVID situation happening, this would have been like uh, a much easier sell on me to go like, oh, I'll keep going back to the theater for this. But now I have that hesitation of like, do I need to keep going back for Tenant or do I go to something like, I need to go see Bill and Ted in the theater if I'm going to go back to a theater again this week because that's one I wanted to watch in the theater but couldn't for other reasons. So, um, you know, like, so it, like my favorite Christopher Nolan film other than the Batman ones is um the prestige mm -hmm. and i think that that's another movie that kind of lends itself to multiple viewings because there are so many different like timelines within timelines you know memories within memories flashbacks right. within flashbacks or however yeah. you're going to frame it but there's so much going on and you're jumping around so much that yeah it's like you almost have to watch it multiple times because that first time you're just trying to wrap your brain around what's happening, but then the second and third time you can actually find those bits of foreshadowing. They're like, oh, this was hinting at what was to come. Yeah, no, and, 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 I, and I've, I've, I've experienced that with Nolan before. I mean, the prestige is one that I didn't appreciate until like the third viewing. Um, it just and feels like- it's very much like that. Yeah, but I guess also with, with the way the world is right now, my expectation levels were so off the charts that nothing was going to satisfy it. So maybe this is this whole review is unfair. But um, but it just, it just it, I guess it was kind of frustrating to walk to the theater and not feeling like super entertained. And maybe that's my fault. And, and that maybe I do need to go back again when I feel comfortable and just sit down with it and just be like, okay, I'm going to meet the movie on its level and just see what happens. Um, well, like you said, this maybe was like the worst movie they could have put out right now because, like you said, it does require multiple viewings for you to really get it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that 
you know, we're in this time where it's like even just going to the theater once is already a giant risk. Yeah. But it's like if you have to go, to, you know, two and three more times, that it, yeah. And it's like plus all the sound mixing is off and the music is loud. And it's like, yeah, were you trying to confuse everyone because you succeeded? And now you just made everybody mad because now they have to go see this movie again just to appreciate it. Yeah, but it's not Nolan's fault. He didn't cause COVID. So like, I mean, like well, it's, it's not his fault that the pandemic happened, but it is his fault that the sound mixing is off. Yeah, and it is agreed. his fault that the movie is confusing enough that it requires multiple viewings. But right. yeah, maybe I mean, yeah, like yeah. he could have held it. They could have released it when they whenever they're gonna release Fast Nine, but yeah, whatever. They're gonna yeah. do what they're gonna do. Yeah, it's coulda, woulda, shoulda. And I mean, like, and I was telling my dad when we walked out, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised that Warner Brothers didn't just bet their chips on Wonder Woman 1984 to be their big reopener because that makes a little bit more sense given the market that um, has developed uh, in the years prior to COVID with the superhero market dominating the box office. Like, it seems like that would have been the smarter bet. Um, well, it might also be that they're like they know it was confusing, and if if it didn't do well, or well, we don't know yet, but they could explain a way of being like, well, it was also COVID, like the first movie out, so if the lower box office happens, the they expect- could be like, what? The expectation level is different now, as you said. So, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, if it doesn't do well, also, they'd be like, oh, well, it was the first movie out, so, of course, yeah. Maybe... Well, being the first movie out is a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you know, people are already tenuous about going out. But on the other hand, there's no competition. Like, at at least at my theater, Tenet was like 80% of the showings. They were showing maybe four other movies, and those movies had two showings a day. And Tenet was showing every half hour from like 11 to 10 or something. Yeah, and and it's... It, it, it's concern. It's it's a little concerning because I know that there are other movies that they could be giving equal space to, like Bill and Bill and Ted. If you give it enough legs, will probably do very very well. Um, I haven't seen New Mutants, but I imagine there's still a market that wants to see it. Maybe it's all of Maisie Williams' supporters. I don't know, but um, you know, like I I and and you know we've got. I know we've got, we've got other films that are coming out eventually that like will probably kick things back up. But again, a lot of this also depends on like now that the theaters are reopened, the big question is going to be, are they going to stay open? Because again, there's nothing that's going to stop an actual shutdown once again, if it actually comes around. Um, I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to like tempt fate by saying it will, ha- it won't happen. Cause then it will, it will happen. And then I'll look like an idiot, but well, you know, it's like, probably going to vary by state because I think right now California's theaters can't be open. Right. No, California can't show it, but they've been showing press screenings and um, breaking the rules out there. Some uh, rep- agencies and representatives have been breaking the rules out there. The Wilshire screening room was showing it for some reps and, and uh, others and whatnot. So nobody's following the rules right now, which, which I mean, obviously like, you know, I'm one to talk, but you know, like our state by state. Yes. Our state was cleared. LA is LA County is not cleared. San Diego is from what I heard. So they were rolling it out there. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I feel bad for Nolan to a certain degree because it's not, it sucks that his, this is the second movie he's released. That's had some form of tragedy wrapped around it. Um, 
And um, the, I mean, and neither of them have anything to do with him or the movie itself, but it's, you know, this is a movie that I think under different circumstances, it, it seems like I probably would have been a lot more receptive and eager to go back, but the circumstances have changed. So again, this review is a little tainted in that respect. Um, uh, Another... Was that? No, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was done. Um, I, I've been trying to say this for a while. It just, like seems out of place now, but like a, another like nerdy detail that I noticed that I, I haven't seen a lot of people pick up on is uh, the music. I think at the midpoint uh, when they start to go back through the beginning of the movie, um, the the music is actually played in reverse. Like it's it's not actually in reverse, but it's it's orchestrated to sound like it's in reverse. Like, you know, like in Twin Peaks, like the the famous talking backwards guy. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, no, how, yeah, the, yeah. that's how the music sounds, which is, I think yeah, is a really cool detail. Oh, yeah. There, there, and there are cool things about it. Like, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but that the, the direction of the backwards acting and such, like, because at first my eyes were thinking like, oh, he just, you know, pressed reverse on Premiere and that was it. But you realize that the the way it's choreographed, it's actually being directed backwards. So it's actually kind of it's it's really intriguing the way it's done. It's Although, weird because it feels like a gimmick, but it also feels like it's innovative at the same time. Yeah, the it's uh, it's weird though. Like once you realize that he was fighting himself in that hallway, um, mm-hmm. you kind of wonder like why? Because you know he's yelling at him like, "Who are you? Who are you? Like why does he just take off his mask? Like just, I mean." that would mess up the story and, you know, kill him. But right. at the same time, like logically, like you wouldn't just, you know, ask this guy who he is. Like you would just take off his mask and find out who he is. Right. At the beginning of the movie. Right. So there's, there's cheesy stuff like that. that you're like, oh, you're better than this Nolan. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I will say though, you swing for the fences and sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. And this may be a swing that just misses, but who knows? Like we, you know, this is it's a situation where maybe we're going to look back on it and think, well, Tenet was actually the best Nolan movie. You know, we, like time will tell. Um, it, with Tenet, I think, because and again, as I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors wrapped into this movie that aren't just related to the movie itself, and so therefore, like once the, that's been allowed to die down, the movie may get reexamined under different merits. Cool. Uh, so I, so I, know, I do agree with Zach about like the ending of the movie and how it is, it does provide nice setup. And I'm like, oh, that would be awesome if they made a TV show about this. But uh, I don't think they'd have like the production value. So I think if they did like an HBO miniseries, that would be perfect. Just do like an HBO miniseries that covers like those like the. F- first time that Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, met the protagonist um, from the from Neil's point of view. It'd be cool. Like it, it felt like, to me, this movie somehow falls in the same universe as something like an Inception. I was always kind of wondering, like, it'd be so cool to watch those two movies collide somehow with their characters. Because I don't, like, hate the characters in Tenet. I think I just need to warm up to them a little bit, but... I would love to see all those different guys in suits doing their action stuff in dreams or in time. So. Yeah, well, the whole cops, whole, they're basically thieves. Like, yeah. so, and then it seems like John David Washington's, like, 
tenant group or whatever, they are a like law keeping force in the world. So it seems like conceivable that they could, you know, and, and like their two technologies aren't that too dissimilar. Yeah. They're, and they're both, the technologies about it and, and what works about that is like that both technologies are rather vague in how they operate. So that like, you yeah, have to try, try to wrap my head around uh, going like different levels into someone's mind while also doing it in reverse. <laughs> it breaks my brain. Oh my gosh. Tenant meets inception. It'll so be a like, four hour, it'll be a four hour movie and it'll be released after the apocalypse has happened. <laughs> like, would you actually go like outside someone's mind? Like maybe, going maybe levels down, maybe, you're going levels up. Maybe when they're doing this stuff backwards, that it didn't kicks them into another level of the dream, so that they they do they do the kick as they're going backwards, and then they go into another level of mind as they're going backwards. So the kick will be the key the key to both worlds. Also, it bugged me throughout the whole movie. Uh, I could not figure out who the, like that one guy that was also helping them. I was like, that guy looks so familiar. And then Aaron Taylor Johnson. He was kick ass. Yeah. Um, what does he look different? Well, he got big, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like big old bluff with a beard. <laughs> I feel like that was a uh, Tom Hardy role uh, that didn't go to Tom Hardy. So because he was too busy being Al Capone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, next week uh, I think we're going to see the New Mutants. Um, okay. Unless there's any other. I don't think anything new is actually coming out next week. Um, I think the, oh, what's it called? It's like the Heartbreak Hotel or something. It's a rom-com. It looks good enough that I want to see it. Yeah, I, I can already hear uh, Ryan's ghost saying that we, we're not going to see that. Too bad. <laughs> uh, we'll just watch the Mutants either in the theater the or Broken Hearts Gallery. Broken Hearts Gallery. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that beforehand. It looked uh, It looked fun. Yeah, and it's opening on Friday. There you go. Executive Selena Gomez. Well, you know, we, we have plenty of other weeks to fill, so maybe we'll get around to it. But uh, no, yeah. the, the New Mutants is the next big thing, so let's plan for that. Um, yeah. Get ready, guys, because in October we're doing a whole episode dedicated to Mank. <laughs> is that movie coming out then? In October, yeah, it's coming to Netflix in October. It's David Fincher. We've got to do it. <laughs> oh, to Netflix. Yeah, it sucks that it's about a subject that only I care about, but we got to do it. <laughs> cool. Right. I don't say why, so it's up to you two. All right. Well, up. until next week, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, this has been Corinne and Zach, and the guy who does not say bye. <laughs> Telling you all. Instead of the man people. who has no name, it's the man who never says goodbye. <laughs> Or the I Irish grew. goodbye, as we call him. I want Brad in a in a Italian Western now. <laughs> no one wants that. Yeah, no, I do. That's the thing. No, you and don't. Hugh is your sidekick. So you're the good, Hugh's the bad, and then something else is the ugly. You're my human shield. Or I'm, uh, I'm the ugly. I'm the ugly. Of, you've heard of the Irish man? Get ready for the Irish goodbye. The movie just ends abruptly. <laughs> it's one second long. <laughs> I was going to catch him. Oh, what? 
is this is this like the Sopranos finale? What's going on here? In order to understand, in order to understand what I'm about to say, you have to have to have seen The Irishman. So the movie opens up, zo- uh, jollying in through Brad's place to the song in the still of the night, and then when it lands on Brad, that's when it ends. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, until next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.